been tackling the topic of spiritual gifts uh, for the last couple of weeks and um, trying to unpack it a little bit and God kind of had us lay in the groundwork and then we've uh, tried to, to lay a foundation and then kind of build upon it and expand upon that a little bit. Um, in uh, chapter 12 verse 7, this has kind of been our, our working definition of what a spiritual gift is. Um, and uh, there's lots of, def- lots of ways to define it. I just think I like having a verse that kind of sums it all up, and I think this one does it. Um, look at verse 7. It says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All right? Short and sweet. That, that um, a manifestation of the Spirit, okay? A coming uh, out into the light of the Spirit of God, okay? Capital S, Spirit. Um, that that basically God reveals himself in our lives, um, every single one of us, okay? Um, so it's the revealing of his personality, of his character, of his heart, um, that to each one of us, all right, each one of us who have crossed from death into life, um, that manifestation has been given. Um, and that is what a spiritual gift is. That God being generous and being uh, gracious and loving has, uh, in each one of our lives, uh, created us in such a way that He reveals to the world His personality. He manifests Himself. Okay, So to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All right, So that manifestation is not to make you look awesome. It's, it's not. Um, it is not uh, to give you status within a church. Um, it is not... Uh, to show off, it is not um, whatever. It is for the common good, all right? So he manifests himself in your life basically for the benefit of others, for the building up of the church, and for revealing the, the love and grace of God to people who have never heard, truly heard, and experienced his love and his grace, all right? So that's what a spiritual gift is. Um, and, and so that's kind of been our base uh, idea and we just kind of have worked off of that. And so uh, you see the, the paragraph um, that that verse is kind of sandwiched into. Um, if you look, look at verse 11, this kind of expands it on a little bit. All these, okay, so all the gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. All right? So that manifestation is empowered by God. So the way that God reveals himself in your life is not, it's not just this random like, way that you're kind of like Jesus. Um, it has this supernatural like, power to it. It packs a punch that's different than anything else. Um, and so once again, that puts us uh, being very dependent on God when it comes to everything in life, and especially when it comes to spiritual gifts. So spiritual gifts are, are dependent on the, like, that supernatural infusion of power um, as, as those gifts operate. Um, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. All right? To apportion is, to, um, is basically to, to hand things out according to a plan that is there. So when God has his church, okay, you can go capital C, universal, all throughout history church, or you can take this church, um, either way that you look at it, for each person in here who's a Christian, who's crossed from death into life, um, God has uniquely gifted you just like he wanted you. That there's nothing random about it, there's nothing you know, boring about it, there's nothing whatever, that God made you special just like you are. And so in that sense, nobody, nobody can, can take your place. It's this weird thing, it's like you're, you're replaceable because you're dependent on him for everything but you're irreplaceable because you are, you are uniquely created and gifted by Him and empowered by Him. And so spiritual gifts are really this, um, this very natural expression um, 
of the love and the character of God. Okay, so from the beginning, we've, we've talked about instead of, of taking like a spiritual gifts test, and you know, there's some like, there's some tests that are out there that'll be like 50 questions and they'll tell you what your you know, deal is. And there's some, que- some spiritual gifts like tests that'll ask you like literally like 600 questions. And then at the end of it, it's just like the ACT or something. At the end of it, like you hit score and it like tells you what your gifts are or whatever. Um, that's not really uh, maybe painting the best picture for us. I'm not saying those things are the worst deal ever and they're not biblical and they're not whatever, but I am saying that we will never hand you one here at the ring. All right, draw whatever conclusions you want from that. Um, but it is, it is a very natural thing. So um, spiritual gifts, as God is manifesting his, his spirit and his character and his nature, it is how we naturally respond when, when things go on. All right, when, when someone's faith is somehow threatened, when a crisis hits, when someone is in need of something, the way that you most naturally respond to that is a pretty good starting point to figure out what, how, how you're gifted. It's incredibly natural. All right? And the first week I used an example of, of someone getting uh, dumped by their girlfriend. All right? um, Oprah broke up with Stedman. That was my uh, example. Um, and the different ways that, that you would respond to Stedman's heartbreak would kind of reveal some things about gifts. All right? But in, in even more deep ways, when people walk through tragedy and loss, when people's uh, faith is being really, like, just really stretched and challenged, and they go through that phase of being like, I don't even know if there is a God, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, when, no matter what's going on, the way that we naturally kick into gear, when it's like, this person has a need and I'm going to meet it, um, that's pretty much a good place to start. All right? So, um, last week we went through 1 Corinthians 12, and um, it's when he gets into the fact that, like, he's, in order to teach about spiritual gifts, he uses the, the analogy of, of the human body, and how there are many parts to human body, but there is, all those parts make up one body. And so there are lots of gifts within a church. Okay, take this church, for example. Um, there are a lot of gifts at work, but yet we form one body. If you want to go capital C church all across the world, right now there are, like, literally many gifts. All right, we won't even put a number on it. Many gifts around the world, but we make up one big universal church. And he talks about how there's a, a potential for um, arrogance. So you got all people with one gift, think they're better than people who have other gifts. There's this whole hierarchy of these are, the, these are the ultimate, these are like the super spiritual gifts and these are like the barely even in the church gifts, you know. The potential for there to be this, this uh, uh, setting up levels when we talk about spiritual gifts and he kind of crushes that. Because he says it would be completely stupid for the body to be arrogant, you know? Like, I'm right-handed, so it would be so stupid for, like, my right hand to be like, oh, we don't need the left hand. We can do everything. It would be stupid. I couldn't do this, you know? I mean, there's so much I couldn't do. Um, and so he talks about that potential for there to be arrogance. Also, that potential there for there to be envy. And to wish, you know, that that we were gifted the way someone else is and all that kind of stuff. And he, he really just kind of just destroys all that in chapter 12. And, and he sets up this, um, like this teaching on spiritual gifts, and it's just, just a phenomenal teaching, it really is. About how stupid it would be to, to be arrogant, how stupid it would be to be envious, and how the, the entire body works together to protect itself. And that's really what spiritual gifts do. That we all manifest the presence of God naturally in different ways so that when, when someone is going through something, we all respond in our unique way to protect them. It's pretty awesome. Now, another way of looking at spiritual gifts is, is, in, a, is in a missional sense. Okay, That the church, that we as Christians are, are all about God's mission. And however you want to describe God's mission, you know, it can be described in different ways, but but it, it really it boils down to um, the him being glorified, all right. That's God's ultimate mission, the glory of God. Um, I think through the redemption of humanity, that God crosses us from death into life. Okay, He redeems once what was once dead is now alive, and He puts that on display for the whole world to see His love and His grace and His power and all this kind of stuff. So that everybody's like, man, God is the ultimate. I think that's the mission of God. 
And I think that the church is, like, that's our mission too. And so spiritual gifts um, are not only a way that we protect one another, and we protect the body, but it's also a way that we function together to accomplish the mission of the church. It is the way the, the church is organized. And you can go back to, to a body um, analogy in the, in the same way. Um, I had a seminary professor who, you know, he said, um, said the church is not an organization, the church is an organism. And we're all like, yes, absolutely. Everybody's writing that down, I'm going to use that one day, you know. And so we thought he was going to go on this tear about, you know, churches being run like corporations and the pastor's the CEO and all this kind of stuff. And we were, I was ready for that because I hate that. But instead of going that route, he just flipped it upside down. And he said, the church is not an organization, the church is an organism. He said, but every organism is intricately organized. Every organism is intricately organized. The human body is freakishly organized. And that's a part of what spiritual gifts do. Is God has put us all together in such a way that, that we can effectively accomplish the mission that he's put us on. All right? So if our mission in Baton Rouge is the glory of God through the redemption of humanity, he's plopped all of us in this church with all these different manifestations of the Spirit, all this for the common good, to build us up and to send us out to better accomplish that mission. So we need each other. That's one of the kickers about spiritual gifts. Is when you read, you read the full teaching on spiritual gifts and everywhere that it's talked about, you get this real sense of neediness. that my arms might really want to go and do something, all right? Like, my, all right, my grass needs to be cut. Like, my arms might be like, yes, we're going to cut the grass. And my head might be like, yes, we're going to cut the grass. But unless my legs are willing to cooperate, the grass is not getting cut. And it's the same thing with spiritual gifts. We are... Every one of us needs everybody to be firing on all cylinders all the time in order for us to effectively reach the city of Baton Rouge. And that's a challenge. And I think, um, I try not to make big sweeping statements a lot, but I end up making them a lot. So I'll just go ahead and make another one. Um, I think a lot of the shortcomings of the church that uh, we tend to gripe about and complain about and point fingers and stuff like that comes down to a, a couple of fundamental issues and I think one of them is the fact that everybody is not operating in their giftings. So we're trying to cut the grass without our legs. And everybody else is trying to make up for it. And I don't know if it's bad teaching or bad understanding or just spiritual laziness or sin or maybe, this, maybe it's all that stuff combined together. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do our best to not let that be an excuse anymore. All right, I'm not pointing the finger at the Ring Community Church. I'm just saying, like, look, if, you, if you're dissatisfied with, with things and you don't feel like we as this church or local church in Baton Rouge or the global church, whatever, if you don't think that we're being effective enough, then um, this is going to be one of the starting points. Is everybody pulling their own weight? So, um, look at verse 1 in chapter 12 uh, as we dig in a little bit. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. All right? So, we're going to take being uninformed off the table as an excuse. Cool? Awesome. Okay, look at the sheet that you got on the way in. Um, if I could borrow somebody's, I will... Uh, Give you a dollar. I need the whole sheet, the big sheet. Thank you. Thank you, Crystal. A little round of applause for Crystal. Stepping up. All right. Let me explain, um, explain what's on this sheet of paper. Uh, on the back side where it says notes, there's a, a series of lists. All right. This is taken from uh, Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology book. All right, so if anything's wrong, you can blame Wayne. Um, 
This is where, these are all the passages where spiritual gifts are listed in the New Testament. All right? Now, if you see um, in these lists where something, a number is in parentheses, all right, that is because it is being repeated in another list. All right? So um, you, there are a total of 22 spiritual gifts specifically listed in the New Testament. All right? So in that first verse, you have 1 through 8. All right? Then you have 9, 10, 11. Then you have a 5 in parentheses. That's because it's repeating what was in 5 in the other passage. Does that make sense? All right? So you get to see when, within each passage all the ones that are listed, but then um, we're able to recognize exactly how many are there and how much overlap there is and all that kind of stuff. Okay? Now, here's one thing about spiritual gifts that uh, is a little bit debated, but probably should not be. Okay? Um, some believe that the uh, lists in the New Testament are like, these are the spiritual gifts. End of story. That you have one of these 22 gifts. I don't think that that is the case. I don't think there's biblical support for that point of view. Okay, because when you read um, like all of the passages that these come from, it says like there are a variety of gifts, you know, and the fact that every list is a little bit different, and he uses different terms, and sometimes he'll say um, he'll say prophets, and other times he'll say prophecy, and why would he change things up? Like if he was going after the list, then why wouldn't he repeat the list in every letter? All right, um, and so I believe. Um, and many scholars agree with me that uh, just kidding um, that, uh, that that these are like these are ones that are coming to mind as he's writing. These are examples. Um, these are very good examples, very practical examples that he is addressing some specific things going on in some churches. But that this gives us um, just kind of some different scenarios to look at how these manifestations of the Spirit are are there and how they show up and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so um, if someone, and this is not a deal breaker, okay, if you're a part of the ring and you think that, that these are the gifts, it doesn't mean you have to leave, all right? Um, it doesn't mean that I want to have a debate in Free Speech Alley after this, you know, or anything like that. Uh, it's just one of those things we can differ and still be okay, because these are definitely in Scripture. So uh, we're just going gonna to go through these and just kind of talk about what, what they kind of look like, all right? Let me go ahead, just to disappoint some of you. We're going to save the uh, more controversial issues for next Sunday. Okay? All right? So speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, um, speaking in tongues, uh, that will be next week. Okay? (laughs) Uh, Basically that, um, uh, miracles, you know, some of that kind of stuff. And so we're going to get into it a little bit. So uh, if you thought that was tonight, sorry, you might just have to rearrange your schedule for next Sunday. Okay? Um, let's go through these um, a, a few at a time, all right? Uh, the first one, apostle. Kind of two different ways to, to look at this, all right? One is the office of apostle. The other one is the gift of apostleship, all right? The office of apostle, all right, those are were people who are witnesses of Jesus' life, of Jesus' resurrection. These are people who were em, empowered directly by him to go and perform miracles, um, so we're talking about the 12 disciples. We're talking about Paul, because Jesus appeared to Paul. Um, we're talking about the guys who wrote the New Testament. Okay? Um, so the a- apostle as an office in the church. All right? Not our deal anymore. Okay? So when it's talking about the gift of apostleship, it's not talking about that, although we would all agree that they were gifts to the church. The gift of apostleship is, is a little bit different. These are more of your people who are, are going into areas where there are not churches and they are starting churches. These are people who um, are gifted in cross-culture, cross-cultural ministry. All right? Now whether you're talking about someone like Robert Terrell who leaves Baton Rouge and goes to Stevens Point, Wisconsin to begin a complete brand new work, like with him and his wife and kids as the core group, Um, or you're talking about someone who goes to another continent um, into a village and learns the language and, you know, all that kind of stuff, Um, and everywhere in between, um, that's more of the gift of of apostleship, 
okay? So uh, these are your guys like Barnabas, like Timothy, like James. Um, that is what the gift of uh, apostle would, would look like uh, for us today. Now, there may be some of you here who are gifted in that way. Don't dismiss just because you have um, a quote-unquote career or you're established or you have a mortgage or whatever. Don't rule out the fact that you may, this may be a gift of yours. And at some point, you might find yourself being a little more curious about how churches are structured and started and all this kind of stuff. You may be a little more drawn to those maps of the 1040 window where most of the unsaved world lives and stuff like that. So, um, so don't rule that out. And really, healthy churches start other healthy churches. So at some point, we're going to have those conversations about, all right, we're X number of years old. We need to be either funding a church plant or sending people from within us to go and do that. So if that's you, then maybe we should talk at some point. Okay. Um, the second one, uh, profit. Uh, prophets uh, biblically have two, two purposes. They, um, they foretell and they foretell, all right? Um, prophet is not just the guy who's able to predict the future, all right? Although, biblically, we see that happening um, sometimes. And even in the current context, there are some, like, people who, they just see stuff coming. And those people um, we need around, you know? But the other side of that is to, is to foretell. Um, prophets, they were like they were like God's mouthpiece um, in the in the Old Testament, and so when God wanted to send a message to the people, He spoke through the, the prophets. And so today, um, this gift would show up when um, someone has a like a like a spontaneous like word from God. You ever have somebody come up to you and say, "Lord gave me this verse for you," or this word for you, or, or I, you know, whatever, um, anything like that that where you have someone who God just puts things on, on your heart for other people, um, that would be one way that the gift of, of prophecy shows up in uh, our lives today. Um, so reporting something that God's brought to mind. Now we could complicate that greatly, or we can leave it in a real simple kind of way. Um, but someone who is building up the church uh, with that in mind, uh, that would be the gift of prophecy. Next one, a teacher someone who understands and communicates biblical truth in a way that's clear and relevant. Someone who can, can communicate that truth and it leads to the understanding and application corporately or to whomever they're teaching, whether that's one-on-one or it's in a small group or it's in a big group. And we, we know who the, those people are, you know. Someone who just presents something in a way and you're like, okay, I've never thought about it that way. But not just that it, it doesn't end there. It leads to application and to growth and all that kind of stuff. So it's not simply about communicating one way. It's about an effective communication that then leads to other, and other things. Um, puts it in the context of everyday life. All right, that's a gift of teaching. Um, then you have miracles, which we're going to skip. We have kinds of healing, which we're going to skip. Um, then you have helps, all right? Um, this is someone who, like, gets great joy in coming alongside someone else and helps them accomplish what God has called them to do. It's, it's different from serving, okay? This is someone who sees somebody on a mission, like God has, has put them on a task or God has called them to do something, and they just get, get no greater joy than to come alongside them and uh, try to help them out as way they can. Kind of behind the scenes, um, let's say let's say that you have a, our community group leaders. Okay, let's say there's someone in the group that says, "Look, um, I would love to help you prepare for discussion on Tuesday, however I can." So if there's like, if you know the verses, send them out to me, and I'll, I'd love to research that or like help you know whatever or just pray with you or anything I can do to help take the burden off of you going into a Tuesday night. I want to do that. That's the person with the gift of helps. They like to help, literally, someone else accomplish what God's called them to do. Um, then you got administration. All right, these are your these are your organizers. These are the people who help um, 
help the body function efficiently. Okay? Um, this is not necessarily people telling everybody what to do. These are the ones that, that can kind of look at things. And so um, these are the people, at, at one point we had all our community groups coming to help set everything up. These are people who are going, um, Josh, this is obviously not working. Um, this is a nightmare, and you're pulling your hair out every week, and there's, there's a more efficient way that we can get this done. Those are my administrators. And I, and I thank God for them, because I am an administrative nightmare, okay? Um, so, uh, but those are the people who, who look at things within the body, and they, they help things function more naturally. Um, and you have uh, tongues, which, uh, next week, um, word of wisdom. These are people who are able to receive and explain the deep things of God, maybe cast a new light on them. You, if you've ever sat down with someone and you're struggling or you're, you don't really know what to do and you open up to them or something like that, and they drop like a six-word sentence into your life that you aren't sure how you survived to this point without knowing those six words, um, that's a word of wisdom. Um, I'll just go ahead and embarrass them. There are times in our elder meetings when, like, we'll have this discussion. There's seven of us, and this other six of us, like, pop, 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 back and forth, all this kind of stuff. And then, like, Taylor Vernon will sit there all quiet. I was like, Taylor, what do you think? And he'll, boom, six words. And we're like, oh. <laughs> 20 minutes down the drain, because he summed it up and just knocked it out of the park in six words. Um, that is an example of how the, the, a word of wisdom functions in everyday life. Um, Similar to that is the next one, a word of knowledge. Um, these are our people with, um, after like long and careful consideration, um, they have just some spirit-led insight into something. Just someone just, just brings it in and says, look, I, you mentioned this the other day, I've been thinking about it. Boom. All right, word of wisdom, word of knowledge are like very much, they're very, very similar. Um, and so both of those things, that's just those practical people that you just need to speak into your life, speak that word of truth, um, shed some new light on things. Um, so there's word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Look at the next one, faith. All right. Um, these are people who just naturally strengthen uh, the faith of a believer. There's something about the way they just naturally talk to you and interact with you, the way that Sometimes it's just the way that they trust God in their own way. And so they just, you just walk away, you're like, I'm just blessed by that. I trust God more after that 30-second conversation at CC's with that person than I did walking in. It was weird. Those are people with the gift of faith. There's something, something about them that they just naturally exude that. These are also people who um, their own faith in God is very compelling to people who don't know Christ. People who are not, have not crossed from death into life, they're still death. They're the ones that look at them and be like, how in the world can you smile in light of what you're going through right now? Just very compelling in that sense. So there's a gift of faith. Distinguishing between spirits. Um, at that time, uh, there were all, there was just lots of different teachers and like all these people always roaming through and all this kind of stuff with all these different doctrines and all these variations on stuff. And so these are the people who are like, okay, this dude's full of it. They just, just right off the bat, this guy does not, no, 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 don't, there's something going on there that's not right. Incredibly important in a church are those people who can, they can spot, maybe they might not be able to put their finger on exactly what it is, but they're like, something is not right in this situation. There's a lie that's being covered up and pass on his truth in this situation. So being able to discern uh, truth versus lie, there's that one. Interpretation of tongues, we'll skip. Um, an evangelist, all right? This is someone who has the ability to just boldly and clearly communicate the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the whole death into life idea. But not only can they communicate it clearly and boldly, they they burn with passion for that message to be communicated. Like these are people who weep for the lost.
That's a gift of evangelism. There are some pastors out there that you just know when they, when they preach, people are, people are going to get saved. People are crossing from death to life every single time. And there are people who live their life that way, who just, they lead the guy on the plane next to him to Jesus. I mean, that's, that's a part of their gifting. They're just incredibly effective at that. Um, the next one, pastor-teacher. Um, this is kind of combining the uh, instruction of a teacher with the loving care of a shepherd. Okay, so it's loving instruction. All right. Um, then we have serving. All right, that, you know what those people do? Yeah, they serve. There's people who are like, what needs to be done? I need to do something. And not in a way that's like shallow and like whatever. It's just like, no, they're like, what, what can I do? What you need me to move? What can I do? Like it almost drives them crazy to, just to be idle, you know? And if we have, you know, if there's like a, you know, 65-pound woman dragging a table across the room in there, they're not going to stand there and watch her do it, okay? That's people with the gift of servant. Should be um, also known as the gift of being a man, but uh, <laughs> sometimes it just isn't. It's weird. Um, but uh, people with the gift of serving, I man, they just, they love, they're like, please let me pick up trash in the parking lot. Like, I would love to do that. Anything behind the scenes, anything that can, can uh, help us get it done, I want to do it. Um, uh, encouraging, or um, sometimes you see this as exhortation. Um, these are people who are phenomenal, like in a one-on-one situation. Like they they take the what's being taught, you know, they take what the prophets and the teachers and that kind of stuff are doing, and they help like like contextualize it even more like into your life in a way that is absolutely full of love and of compassion. And um, you, you just feel so encouraged, but you feel encouraged into a deeper walk with the Lord. Not just like, oh, well, I think everything's going to be okay now. You're like, no, 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 no. Like, I, I desire more of Jesus because of our time that we just had together. These people, are, they're drawn to, to people who are discouraged, people who are down. Um, this is not just, you know, like positive like people. That's not what this is. This, this has some depth to it. Um, these are the, are the people that when something goes wrong or even when something goes well, like these are some of the people that you want to let know because, because they're going to edify you in a way that is deep and meaningful and um, not just be like, oh, and, and your shoes are cute and, you know, whatever. Don't worry about that kind of stuff. But these are people who are going to really, like, take it to a level that, um, that we all need. Um, my shoes, they're okay. Um, contributing, all right, or giving. Um, this is not just rich people. Somebody like, I ain't got that gift. <laughs> it's not just rich people. Okay? These are people who, who joyfully and generously um, give of themselves. Financially, they give of their possessions. Um, they have a biblical understanding of money and stuff. Um, like, truly believe that, that God entrusts money to us. Um, to meet our needs and to meet the needs of others. And so they are the people who are like, okay, um, I only need to make this much money for my needs to be met, yet I make this much money salary-wise, so everything above that, I've, I've got to give it away. I don't need a new car, I don't need a new TV, I don't need a new whatever, like I need to make, I need to take care of people. And there are people who um, have been involved with the ring over the years that has since moved to other places or, or to other churches, and I get emails. People are like, look, what do y'all need? Like, I want, I want to help take care of things. What are your needs? If ever a need comes up, I need you to let me know. I mean, that, that's that, that contributing. And it's not just people with, with, like, gobs and gobs of money. It's about a heart, not about a bank account. Okay? The gift of giving or contributing. Um, then we have leadership. All right? This is, these are people who have a, a clear vision of what God wants them to do. And they communicate it in such a way that brings other people with them. Say, this, this is what God wants us to do. This is where we're going. This is how, how we're going to get there. Um, I want you to come with me. And people are like, okay. There's a trust that's there. Um, that's the gift of leadership. Gift of mercy. Right? 
people who, who feel and express this unusual um, compassion for people in crisis. You know? They're drawn to people um, who are, like, just absolutely in pain. Um, in situations where a lot of people don't do anything because they don't know what to say and all this kind of stuff, these are the people who are like, well, we've got to do something. Even if I do the wrong thing, it's better than doing nothing. These are people who are just, boom, they're drawn to that. All right? Gift of mercy. Um, then you have marriage and celibacy, and we won't really get into those. Um, some of my, single, my fellow single people are like, yes, don't talk about celibacy. Um, uh, I don't have that gift. Um, read it in context, and uh, it'll shed a lot of light on it. But um, to see marriage as a gift is pretty, pretty awesome. Um, to put it in that context, huge. To see singleness as a gift, huge. Okay? Um, and so Paul is saying some are called to be married, some are called to be single. Um, and that's perfectly fine. Like both of those things are a calling. Um, and we'll just kind of leave that at that. Some don't think those are spiritual gifts. You know, whatever. Um, okay, so... Hopefully, like by running through that list, you see and even begin to think of people who function in certain ways. I'm sorry, Taylor, for singling you out. Um, but you see, because you're like, oh, no, I know that person, I know that person, I know that person. That's what spiritual gifts are. Like, it's just that practical and just that, like, real and tangible and so you may not have found yourself in that list. And that's why I say it's not an exhaustive list. Now sometimes like, there's discussion about how do you, you know, about these lists and how you break them down and stuff like that. And, um, I like the way that uh, Grudem breaks it down in one sense. Um, he talks about them in terms of the Old Testament offices of prophet and priest and king. In the Old Testament, you had the prophet who, who spoke the word of God to the people. Um, you had the priests who offered sacrifices and praises and prayers on behalf of the people. And you had the king who, um, who ruled over the people um, as God's representative to them. And how the, the gifts really do very nicely fall into those three things. There are gifts of like prophecy, so these are involve a lot of, of words, a lot of um, affirmation. Um, this is where your encouragement comes from. This is where your words of knowledge, words of wisdom, um, your teachers, all that kind of stuff um, come from a lot of speech. Your gifts that are more priestly, that are about, are about caring for other people. Extending that care and that compassion and prayers and all that kind of stuff. Then there are gifts that are, are kingly in that they are about structure and organizing and, and, and keeping the church in order, which Paul is real big on, which is ironic because the gifts were the thing that brought disorder to the church. So he's like, you guys have no idea what's going on because it's all about like order, but whatever. And so the, the big issue really isn't like, okay, am, am I under the prophet category or the priest category or the king category? Because when you go through that list that we just went through, we're all called to pretty much all those things, okay? Not, maybe not church planting, all right? Maybe not always called to, like, leadership corporately. But, I mean, mercy, helps, evangelism, faith, teaching. I mean, even parent to child, that's teaching, And so while it's important for us to know how we're gifted, it's not the most important thing ever, ever, ever for you to be able to circle on your Bible like we keep saying. Because we're all called to all these things to a degree, so it kind of begs the question, all right, when does something become a gift? Like a real, like a spiritual gift that I can claim and pursue and chase. Um, look at... Uh, Turn to Romans 1. 
we started off here, I want to give you a pretty good rule of thumb. Because as you're going to see in a second, um, it is important that we know how we're gifted. Maybe it's overemphasized, like I said a minute ago, but it's important for us to know. In Romans chapter 1, we began this uh, way a couple weeks ago. Look at verse 11. Um, it says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. All right? There's a mutual encouragement that goes on there. And I brought this up last week. I want to kind of land there tonight a little bit. Um, gifts are, are done from faith for faith. So any gift that I have is done from faith, meaning that it's my absolute reliance on the Lord for those things to happen. Okay? He's gifted me. It's Him that manifests. And He has empowered that gift in a way that He has apportioned to me for His own glory. So everything about spiritual gifts comes down to Him. So if someone is operating or if someone is um, exhibiting a gift but it has nothing to do with their own faith and reliance on God, then it's not a gift. They are doing something else. So a lot of it comes down to motive and heart. So if it's from faith, and then if it's for faith, she says that they'll be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. We have to look at the effectiveness all right, someone who thinks that they have the gift of teaching that is not an effective teacher does not have the gift of teaching. Like That's simple as it, as it can be. That's how you know when something is, uh, has, is, has moved from the category of natural ability into spiritual gift. Is, is if it's done from faith and it is for faith and it is effectively for faith, Maybe that's a way that that person is gifted. And that's the thing, like I was talking about earlier, about everybody, about the, the church needing everybody to function in all their gifts, is that for a little while, um, we can cover for each other. But ultimately, it's just not going to get done. Because we need everybody to be from faith for faith, in order to be effective. And so that's why it's important that we know how we're put together and how we're wired. Now, we all exhibit a lot of these things, and some of them just kind of jump out and they're empowered and they, they build the church, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or whether it's corporately. So if everybody's doing this way, then all the gifts are exhibited and everything's being covered and that's when a church really starts to get some momentum and you begin to see like, like the bride be the bride. But you know, another time you begin to see the bride be the bride is when um, we are not zeroing in solely on our strengths, but we are also um, operating in our weaknesses. In 2 Corinthians 9, you know, Paul says, I've, I've asked God to take this out of my life, and God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Um, my power is made perfect in weakness. And his response is, awesome, then I'm just going to thank God for my weaknesses. Because when I am the weakest, that is when his power is displayed the most strongest. <laughs> so we look at these gifts and we say, this is how I'm gifted, so that's where I'm going to, I'm going to focus on that and I, I want to grow in that area. But we have to look at all those other ones too and recognize that there are going to be times when God brings you into a situation and he is going to call you to operate in a way that is not your natural gifting. And you step out and you do it anyway. What an amazing way for God to be glorified. And to take someone who has incredible issues with communicating the, the truth of the gospel and like is terrified of teaching, of taking the spotlight, of, of they just... I mean, that's just their thing that they're terrified of and they know of all the gifts that is not how I'm gifted and God drops them in a situation where they have to speak the truth they step out there he empowers them they do it in their weakness like what an amazing what an amazing show off for God
What an amazing way for him to display his power. It's not only to use extreme strengths, but to use extreme weaknesses at the same time. Awesome. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Last thing, all right? Last thing. In 1 Timothy, I think this is a good like landing point for us. Actually, let me read uh, something else. Read you a couple of verses. You don't have to turn. Romans 12, 6. It says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Okay? Not saying that we get different amounts of grace. All right? Saying that it is gracious of God to give us different gifts. Okay? It's in the context of talking about the body. Basically saying, what a gracious gift that we're not all the same. Um, let us use them. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Paul tells Timothy, Do not neglect the gift you have. Do not neglect the gift you have. Huge for us. That we recognize the sovereignty of God in this sermon series in the life of our church. That this is not random. That even though the reason we're talking about it may seem random, that we surveyed everybody, and this was the biggest request of survey, and so it just kind of fell. And it may seem random. God uses really random ways to get, his, uh, get the job done. Do not neglect the gift that you have. You need me to operate in my gifts. I need you to operate in your gifts. I need your protection, and you need my protection. I need the order to be right within the body of this organism, and you need the order to be right within the body of this organism. The global church needs us to function on all cylinders. The persecuted church on the other side of the world has to meet in the basement by candlelight. They need us to function on all cylinders. It's the way the body works. So we can't neglect the gifts that we have. In 2 Timothy 1.6, again Paul says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. To fan it into flame think is an amazing, amazing way to look at our gifts. Every one of us, like we have these gifts, and for some, it's like a roaring, like a forest fire. And for some, it's just starting out as a spark, and then all of us in between. But the forest fires got to be that big because they were fanned into flame when they were first sparks. This is huge for us as a church. This could be the, one of the most pivotal times for us as a church that we've had um, so far at all. More pivotal than, than changing locations physically. It could be this moment in time where God says, do not neglect your gifts, fan them into flame. And I was thinking about this during prayer tonight. I was thinking like, I just kept thinking, fan into flame, fan into flame. Well, how do you fan something into flame? It needs oxygen, right? I mean, I'm not a scientist, but... but... If I'm trying to get a fire going, I don't sit there and, like, I need an oxygen tank. You put... You blow on it. You create wind, right? You get anything, and you start doing this. And I was thinking about how, in Acts 2, verse 2... When the Holy Spirit came into the world, how was it described? A mighty rushing wind. You've got to love the word. That the Spirit of God is the wind that fans into flame the gifts that He's given us. That we serve a God who is faithful. And if we'll get in there, and we'll pray, and we'll be obedient, and we'll dig in, 
the spark grows. It grows and grows and grows. And I hope that that is your desire for our church, that you would not be a part of some old dead church. I'm not making fun of dead churches. There's just a lot of them. And I don't want to be a part of one. So maybe this week we pray specifically for one another. That that is one way that our gifts show up this week, that we help each other fan into flame the gift that God's given us. Whatever that looks like, I don't know. Let me pray for us. God, we love you. And I'm always just amazed by the way you perfectly put everything together. Whether it's the church, or the universe, or the Bible, or the human body. God, you are you're just amazing. You leave no detail um, out. So God, as we move forward and we talk about these things, I pray, God, that this will not be something that we quickly dismiss. But God, that you'll begin to, to show us how we're gifted, the ways that you manifest in us, the roles that we play within the church, and both the strengths and weaknesses that you want to use so we can effectively glorify you and make a difference in our city for your glory. We love you, Father. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks so much for... Uh, oh, it got dark. Uh, thanks so much for uh, just your whole attitude about everything and um, everybody just being excited about stuff. Like I said, next week, we're going to get into some more of the more... Um, debated issues around spiritual gifts. Um, again, not just so that we, our brains can be filled with knowledge. Um, I believe that God has some hard stuff for that too. Um, on the other side of the sheet I've been talking about, there's some announcements. Um, it's a big week for us. We start round three of community groups, Monday night and Tuesday night. The perfect time to jump in, three-week uh, session. We start back our other groups. Wednesday night, all the husbands get together. Saturday, the wives get together. It's just a week of really great stuff going on. Um, on the back of uh, the, uh, the deal, there's a, a list of things we're praying for each day. Um, two quick notes. One, on Monday, we pray for Alex Kicker. Alex is a girl. So um, if you decide to email Alex, I'll be like, hey, dude, praying for you. Uh, I mean, she'll be cool with it, but I just wanted you to know. Um, the second one is for Maggie Lee Henson. She was uh, in the accident with First Baptist Church in Shreveport. She's still hospitalized. There is a link that we put on there that you can go and and get updates, and you can subscribe for updates and all that kind of stuff to kind of keep track of her. That'll help us to know how to pray more specifically, not only for her, but for the whole church as they continue through that. So um, I love you guys. Look forward to uh, seeing you next week and stuff. And um, yeah, have a good week. Bye.